Hello and welcome to Employment Law Matters. This week, we're looking at health and safety in workplace claims. I'm playing extracts from a webinar I did with Gus Baker of Outer Temple Chambers on health and safety. We discussed all the health and safety issues arising from COVID because this was actually recorded in 2021 and other aspects of how health and safety issues arise in employment law. The things you're going to hear include what duties do employers have to look after an employee's health and safety? Does the duty extend to mental health? Is there a legal requirement to carry out a risk assessment for a pregnant person? And much more. This episode is dropping on the 6th of June 2023. I'm Barrister Daniel Barnett, a member of Outer Temple Chambers, presenter of The Legal Hour on LBC Radio, and founder of the HR Inner Circle, the UK's leading membership organisation for smart, ambitious HR professionals. As you'll know by now, in this season, I'm picking my favourite dozen episodes, one per episode of this season, from the series of 30 employment law webinars I ran in 2021, where leading employment lawyers answered questions generated by asking hundreds of solicitors and HR professionals. I've not only picked my favourite 12 episodes, I've selected the best questions and answers from those episodes as the basis for this season. Before we start, if you are an HR professional, I want to mention how you can get immediate access to pragmatic and practical HR and employment law advice that you can immediately put to use from the sharpest thought leaders and HR professionals in the UK. It's only for ambitious, dedicated HR professionals who want to accelerate and increase their impact by plugging into an HR ecosystem with its finger firmly on the pulse of what's working right now in HR. If you're drawn to benefiting by standing shoulder to shoulder with some of the giants in the HR community, then go to hrinnercircle.co.uk, hrinnercircle.co.uk, and see what the HR Inner Circle can do for you from just £96 plus VAT a month. Now, Gus Baker on health and safety. Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. What duties do employers have to look after an employee's health and safety? So employers have a number of duties to look after employees' health and safety. Firstly, there's a criminal law-backed duty at Section 2 of the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974, which is the duty to, so far as reasonably practicable, take steps to ensure the health and safety of employees at work. Now, employment lawyers don't deal with criminal law most of the time, but that's a section of criminal law all employers need to know because your client could very literally find themselves in the dock in a criminal court, and that includes the directors of the client can face prison sentences if they don't abide by that. And one of the very difficult things about that duty is there is a reverse burden of proof. So the defendants have to prove that they did take reasonable steps to look after employees' health and safety. 
So aside from that, there's also an implied term in contracts of employment, which amounts to much the same thing, that you will take reasonable care to look after people's health and safety in the workplace. And then there may be duties to make reasonable adjustments for employees who are disabled and therefore particularly vulnerable to. Andy Crisp asks, to what extent is an employer responsible for the health and safety of an employee who only works from home? Again, that is an absolutely great question, and there is no easy answer to it. It will come down to reasonableness, but we've all been working in very difficult and uh, different ways. So people who are used to nice office chairs like I've got might find themselves with hardback chairs in their kitchen. And so I think an employer needs to look like they're taking steps and have thought about it and investigated what steps they can take. But I think the courts will be quite generous to employers who aren't able to provide everything for employees when they're working in their own space, which they control. June Smith has 20 thumbs up and June has asked, is it actually a legal requirement for an employer to carry out a risk assessment for each and every person who announces they're pregnant? Daniel, I'll say that now. I don't know that off the top of my head. It would be wise to think about risk assessments, especially in COVID, for that. Uh, I don't know of that legal obligation from nowhere, but it may well be something like that. My understanding, and I'm not entirely sure I'm, I'm right on this, but my understanding is that there is a duty to conduct a risk assessment for pregnant women if they work in environments with chemical or hazardous materials around right. as a discrete statutory obligation. But other than that, there's no specific requirement to conduct a risk assessment, but it is generally regarded as basic good practice for an employer to do so. But I'm not sure I'm right on that. And it sounds to me, Gus, like you're not 100 percent sure either. I'm not, Daniel. And I think the real reason for that is that as barristers, Gus and I only tend to get involved when things go terribly wrong in this litigation. And I've ne- never actually fought a case on that point. And from the sound of it, Gus, uh, neither of you. Breeden Consulting provides small and medium businesses with the breadth of HR support usually enjoyed by large corporates. So if you want practical and commercially focused HR support, or if you're an HR professional looking for an opportunity to capitalise on your experience by joining a great team, visit www.breedenconsulting, that's B-R-E-E-D-O-N, breedenconsulting.co.uk. Right, we're getting some comments in the chat about the question that neither Gus nor I knew the answer to about whether there's a requirement to have risk assessments for all pregnant women. And we don't seem to have very much common ground here. David Thomas has said there's a specific requirement for a risk assessment on being notified in writing of the pregnancy, usually on a MAPB1 form. Quentin Colburn says precisely the opposite. Um, which reflects my understanding. Quentin uh, is a lay member on employment tribunals. He says HSE on their website state, while it's a legal obligation for employers to regularly review general workplace risks, there's actually no legal requirement to conduct a specific separate risk assessment for new and expectant mothers. 
And I think we have an answer to the pregnancy question, thanks to Sue Apps for posting this. Uh, it's found in Regulation 16.1 of the Management of Health and Safety at Work Regulations 1999, uh, which is that there's no general requirement to have a risk assessment specifically for any woman when she becomes pregnant, unless Regulation 16.1, the works of a kind which involves risk uh, because of a pregnancy to the health and safety of the baby because of physical, biological or chemical hazards, in essence, which I think is what Gus and I were broadly saying before. Celine has reminded me of the uh, decision of the Court of Appeal in Madarasi against Namora. Uh, and in fact, I think one of the lawyers involved in that case, Julian Howard, is, is on this webinar uh, in which the Court of Appeal said there is no general duty to carry out risk assessments for pregnant women. So hopefully that's the answer. We've now managed to find it with, with your help. Thank you. An anonymous attendee asks, how should you deal with employees who oh, I love this question. How should you deal with employees who refuse to work with an individual who won't take the vaccine? Wow. It's a great question. I'm not sure that fellow employees are at this stage going to be able to insist that their co-workers take the vaccine. And I don't think that an employer who was faced with employees who said, I won't work with Dave because he won't take the vaccine, should have much sympathy with their employees there. Whether someone is able to and can take the vaccine may be caused by a multiplicity of different reasons. And we do know that there are certain groups with protected characteristics who are less likely to or less able to take the vaccine. So I think that employers are unlikely to be sympathetic now, I think that an employee suing their employer for not taking action against a fellow employee for not taking the vaccine might not succeed. Radar is a specialist commercial and litigation law firm dedicated to helping businesses navigate their risk, including employment issues. Radar's legal expertise and innovative digital tools focus on educating businesses before problems happen. Book your free 30-minute employment and HR consultation today or subscribe to their monthly newsletter at Radar, that's R-R-A-D-A-R, radar.com slash employment. What case law is there around employers failing to protect an employee's mental health? And linked to that, is there a minimum standard employers should follow in order to protect mental health? Well, so let's just take it from a point of general principle. The duty that I told you about earlier under Section 2 of the Health and Safety at Work Act just talks about the health, safety and welfare of employees. It doesn't explicitly say mental health, but mental health is included in that, as far as I understand. And that's the same for the Employment the Rights Act and the Equality Act, as far as any claims under those acts would go. And so the implied contractual duty to take reasonable steps to look after employees' health will extend to their mental health. And as we know, mental health-related claims are very common in reasonable adjustment claims, discrimination arising from disability claims, and everything else. So there is that positive duty, again, for employers 
to think positively about employees' mental health, to take steps to make sure that it's not being damaged in the workplace. Jamie Anderson from Trinity Chambers, good afternoon, Jamie, says, do the facts found by an employment tribunal on stress-related unfair dismissal claims bind a county court in a subsequent personal injury claim for breach of duty in respect of depression? Can you ban the barristers from asking complicated questions like that? To to be fair, it's normally Sally Robertson from Cloisters who asks the very, very (laughs) difficult questions. Sally, I don't know if you're on this call or not. Do you want to pass on that one, Gus? I'm going to guess that I don't think so. Uh, I don't see any statutory basis for employment tribunals to bind the county court. And as we know, employment tribunals are a statutory creation. And I'd invite Jamie to email me why I'm wrong if he says I am afterwards, because I'd be fascinated to know. I wonder if there's an issue relating to issue estoppel. Could, could that be a problem that might cause the county court judge to be bound? It might pose a problem. It would depend who is suing for what, because an employee might well sue, for example, for unfair dismissal. That's something that the county court doesn't have jurisdiction to decide and also sue for personal injury in the county court. No problem with an employee doing both because they can only make those claims in those respective jurisdictions. How employment tribunals and county courts would divvy up factual findings there is something I don't know off the top of my head. Caroline Lewis asks, what are the health and safety protections for workers as opposed to employees, given that many low paid precarious positions are filled by workers, not employees? Well, so the good news for workers is that they're also protected under the Health and Safety at Work Act, as are members of the public, actually, who enter workplaces. So there's no question there that employers have duty to take positive steps to look after the health and safety of workers as well. Uh, Interestingly, and this emerged in the IWGB case, uh, Section 44 and 100 of the Employment Rights Act are phrased with regards to employees rather than workers. But the UK failed to implement the European directives on which those provisions were based, which would have covered workers. But it's an incredibly difficult question of post-Brexit law, whether anything can be done about there may be no remedy for workers there. Uh, But the other point is that in tort and in contract, there will also be those implied terms and a duty of care to look after workers and indeed members of the public as well who come into workplaces. So in terms of personal injury claims, people are protected as well. Neil Coombs asks, would it be a potentially fair dismissal to dismiss an employee who takes a risk at work in which only they were injured, for example, jumping over a wall to take a shortcut and breaking their ankle. This sounds very specific, Neil. I hope that if it's your question that the ankle is recovering, but otherwise my very short answer is yes, that would be a potentially fair dismissal. It could be a dismissal for conduct, doing something really dangerous, and it could constitute for some other substantial reason. I guess, as well. So, yes, I think that could be a fair Really interesting question from an anonymous attendee here. In the case of umbrella companies using agencies, 
I can see you getting more and more anxious as I read more and more of this question, Gus Baker. In the case of umbrella companies using agencies, who is ultimately legally responsible for health and safety? Well, so it will be the employer has positive duties under the Health and Safety Work Act. The person who's controlling the workplace will have positive duties under that act as well. And to the extent to which Equality Act claims can be brought, that's quite a vexed question. And similarly, with regards to Employment Rights Act questions, because you'd have to untangle who was an employee of whom, looking at cases like London Borough of Greenwich, etc., which are really quite difficult too. But if you're thinking of personal injury claims, yes, there will be duties owed by those agencies, by the ultimate employer and by whoever's in control of the employees or agency workers and subjecting them to danger. The question here from Melanie Bonus I quite like. I don't know why I like it, I just do. If an employee works with farm animals, has received training on handling them, but has suddenly demonstrated she's no longer confident of working with the farm animals, what health and safety duties does an employer have to this employee, if any? Wow. (laughs) I I, I tell you what, Daniel, there may be some specific farm handling of animals regulations that I've never come across in practice, even though I'd love a case about that. That sounds fascinating. Uh, Generally, the health and safety work activities, again, are going to be the ones that take place here, taking reasonable steps to ensure that people, as far as reasonably practical, the health and safety of that employee is protected. And so that's the basic duty, and I can't see why it wouldn't apply in those circumstances. It may be there's the pig handling regulations 1998 that provide more detailed guidance, but if there is, I haven't heard of it. That was Gus Baker of Outer Temple Chambers. Join me next Tuesday, the 13th of June, 2023, for the last episode of Season 6 of Employment Law Matters. There will be a Season 7. In that episode, I'll be bringing you highlights from my webinar with Saul Margot of Outer Temple Chambers. He'll be answering questions about performance dismissals. Thank you for listening. I'm Daniel Barnett. Stay safe. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.